Hello world, welcome to the Iron State of Mind. Welcome to the first episode. Um, today we have a special guest with Evan Kasimi. Um, Evan's actually the author of two books, actually just finishing up his PhD in HR management and has experience in numerous industries covering anything from government to logistics and supply chain in addition to healthcare and IT. Welcome to the Hari State of Mind today, Evan. Appreciate you taking some time out of your day and speaking with us. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, today, definitely wanted to learn a little bit more about you. Wanted to talk a little bit about hiring, your history within, you know, the hiring, recruiting industry as well. Um, and definitely just wanted to kind of just pick your brain on some of the things that's going on within the industry as well. Yeah, definitely. I guess just for starters, you know, um, we can start off by you telling the world, you know, just a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you came up in hiring and uh, where you are currently right now. Yeah. So um, it's kind of an interesting career path. Um, didn't plan on this from the beginning. I actually have a de uh, degree in psychology. Um, I originally wanted to be a psychotherapist. I have a background in psychology and languages. Um, I also speak Spanish and Portuguese. And so I wanted to work with people in some sort of capacity. Then I realized how much schooling you had to do in order to, to be a psychiatrist and work with people. Didn't really see myself going to med school that long. Didn't want to incur all that student loan debt which is outrageous right now. Um, so I started to kind of look at um, different fields working in corporate psychology um, and then kind of serendipitously somebody reached out to me and offered me uh, an enrollment counselor position, which is similar to recruitment with, you know, within um, businesses. Well, I was a recruiter for the education industry. And so I started doing that and it's pretty much a personality-based job. And while I was doing that, somebody um, reached out to me for an external recruiting position uh, with a company called, uh, I believe, LaSalle Network at the time, Chicago, Illinois. And basically what I did is, you know, picked up the phone, made cold calls to people that submitted their resumes. Um, and I set up interviews and tried to present these candidates to a lot of our clients in the Chicagoland area. So um, I just kind of fell into it and not something that I planned on doing. But, um, you know, fortunately it worked out because it's such a personality-based industry, personality-based job that kind of fit with me. Um, I love helping people. I love giving people advice. Um, I come from a long line of educators, teachers, pastors, and things like that. So I love helping people, um, guiding people. Um, so I, act I actually started my own company called Interview Pros as well. So I help people find jobs, how to, you know, I teach them how to market themselves as job seekers, uh, how to write resumes, how to fill out LinkedIn profiles. Um, so it just kind of kind of worked out. Nice. Glenn Takera. I'm sure recruiting um, when you started in the industry wasn't as popular as, as it is today to gain some traction and some popularity but yeah when i first started you know it was kind of every once in a while you'd meet a recruiter but you know nowadays especially where i live right now in san diego california um i feel like i meet a lot of recruiters or a lot of people that are in hr um, it's such a stable field it's such a stable profession and you can work in any industry and the more industries that you've worked in ironically kind of helps with your credibility your experience your your expertise, your knowledge base. Um, I've worked in a lot of industries from supply chain logistics to gaming and entertainment to healthcare, um, and then most recently within government. Um, and all those industries kind of work together. That sounds good. Now, obviously you started in recruiting, and from what I understand now, you've been most recently more so in HR, right? Correct. So, yeah. so tell me like the differences between recruiting and HR, because I get that confused, because I come from a recruiting background. 
Yeah. So a lot of people look at HR, you know, and unfortunately due to media shows like The Office and things like that, HR is looked at like a negative thing, like, oh, I got called to HR or HR sent me an email. Um, however, recruitment is also HR, because if you think about it like this, HR is kind of like a bucket or an umbrella and you have different parts. You have recruitment, compensation benefits, you have payroll, you have employer relations, um, safety, risk management, things like that. Um, but HR is, is, is a department that's designed to protect the organization, you know, and in order to protect the organization, you have to bring on, you know, new personnel, new bodies, new uh, human capital. Um, so that's the recruitment. To me, that's the happy side of HR. You know, you're handing out job offers, you're giving advice to people, you're conducting interviews, um, you're helping build the company culture. Um, so that's one component to HR. And you have like the, the number crunchers, you know, like the people that are involved in comps and benefits, payroll, things like that. Um, they're basically behind the computer determining pay, um, you know, sending out paychecks, uh, you know, and then employer relations, as I mentioned, is kind of that negative side of HR that deals with a lot of internal employee drama. Um, they handle, like it says, employer relations. Um, they deescalate a lot of situations, mitigate a lot of situations. Um, there's sometimes a lot of training involved. Um, but I wanted to be involved in like the happy side of HR. So I started off doing recruitment you know, interviewing people, um, handing out job offers. But as I became more exposed to HR, working at different organizations, you know, a lot of times it's all hands on deck. So you get exposed to a lot of different parts of HR. And I, I started to see, you know, different sides of HR and wanted to be well, a little bit more well-versed, you know, and, and kind of that uh, subject matter expert. So I started to kind of take it a little bit more seriously. I got my MBA with a concentration in human resource management. Um, and I'm currently finishing up my PhD right now in human resource management. But that uh, educational career path has allowed me to gain more exposure, more credibility, more experience within HR. Um, you know, I've worked with unions, I've had to negotiate contracts, collective bargaining agreements, um, presented to boards and things like that. Um, but overall, HR is a department that has many different buckets. Like you said, you start off with recruitment or you, you're more involved in recruitment. Um, that's where I started as well. And now I'm kind of transitioning to the whole um, overall umbrella of HR or what have you. So. Nice. That's good that you, you've had the exposure within so many different facets within HR and obviously recruiting because I do feel like they tie into one another. Um, and I think some people that are in HR sometimes that haven't been in recruiting, they don't understand it and vice versa. Like, you know, a lot of recruiters don't understand how HR works. So it kind of creates a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah. Um, but that's great to hear that you have that background. I'm curious to know as currently right now, do you work with any recruiters to that support you from a hiring standpoint? I do. Yeah. So I have my team of recruiters, you know, they post positions. Um, and then when we're looking for executive roles, like a CEO, CFO, or director, um, that's when we tend to reach out to external executive search agencies. And so those are, you know, those high ticket priced executive search firms that will specialize in some of those hard to fill positions or some of those, you know, uh, positions that you don't really want a lot of people to know that you're recruiting for. Because one, you're going to get a million applications, people that aren't qualified, but also two, you don't want to broadcast just yet that you have that opening. Um, maybe one, because the company's publicly traded or there's a board, um, people vote, uh, things like that. But you don't necessarily want to let people know that, you know, you're looking for a new CEO, CFO, or director of finance. Um, so you reach out to an executive search firm um, who then could potentially provide you with a roster of candidates. So that when you are ready, you can start interviewing and you don't really slow down anything. Somebody can move into that role 
And that's actually what happens a lot to a lot of these companies. Whenever you see a CEO leaves and somebody steps in, um, there's a good chance that that company already knew that they were getting rid of that CEO. So they already started looking. Right. Makes sense. Well, I'm not too sure if you're utilizing more than one executive search firm, but um, for you, you know, probably being the decision maker or, or someone that is very, um, has a very high voice and who you decide on who you work with. What is that determinant factor for you that determines whether or not you work with company A or company B as, as an executive search firm? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, at the end of the day, it all comes down to money, dollars. You know, who's going to be the most cost effective for us? Um, because realistically, at the end of the day, we all have access to the same pool of candidates. Um, we all have access to the same tools, the same resources, or at least we should if you're going to market yourself as a search firm. So, you know, depending on the longevity of the search firm, how long they've been in business, they're going to have different fees. Um, sometimes they'll have like an introductory fee. If it's your first time working with them, they'll give you a little bit of a discount. Um, if you're a referral, um, you know, so there's a lot of variables that come into play. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to who's going to save you money, who's going to do it the most effectively, the most efficiently. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. Um, and obviously, you know, you're, you're, like you said, internally, your team, and as well as probably yourself, you guys handle hiring on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, in today's job market, um, what, are, what are some creative things that you guys are doing? I don't know if you know you're willing to share, but what are some things that you guys are, will, uh, are doing right now when it comes to hiring for your organization that's maybe creative that maybe, you know, the companies in the San Diego area are not doing right now? Yeah, that's a, another good question. Um, some interesting things that I've seen that we're doing in other organizations that I've worked at is... Uh, a marketing tactic or, or an interesting approach called geofencing. So it will alert you whenever you are in a geographical location or you are um, kind of engaging in activities or hobbies or interests that uh, a job seeker will be looking for. So for instance, if we have a job fair that we want to market or some positions or we want to market our organization, you know, we will uh, use certain variables, certain key points um, in the form of an algorithm and send out marketing information to you uh, to let you know about our hiring event, about our organization, about the open positions that we have on our website. So for instance, if you're a nursing student and you're in healthcare, you work in an organization um, in healthcare, you know, the hospital, for example, that I've worked at, they started doing geofencing marketing for job seekers. So anytime a job seeker was at maybe a competitor or maybe was online looking up you know, job seeking keyword phrases, um, like resume, how to write a resume, interviewing tips, um, they would get advertisements for our job fairs, for our open positions, and then for the organization. Um, so there's a lot of different things like that. You can also do ads in papers, television stations, you know, local news is a really good way to kind of get your brand out there. Um, you know, we've been featured, our organizations have been featured on different local news uh, outlets whenever we're having a huge job fair or if we are um, you know, opening up a new location. That's something that you can coordinate with. And it's actually free. A lot of new local news stations will try to coordinate and collaborate with local businesses um, and kind of have these special pieces, you know, one to kind of fill time, but also to kind of uh, raise awareness on local business and opportunities. Right. No, that makes sense. I'm very familiar with geofencing as well. We've utilized it at our firm that I work with as well. And, um, you know, it definitely is, is something that a lot of companies are starting to do now, especially with, I think, you know, ever since the pandemic, 
Um, things have kind of definitely transitioned to more of a digital platform and everything being more digital. So I could see that being the case. Um, curious to know now, I guess with hiring, you know, as you mentioned that earlier, that's one thing that you guys are doing differently. Um, you know, what, what are some of the challenges you experience when, you, when it comes to hiring right now? Is it like finding individuals? Like, because we, we here in New York, we, we will all, you know, I, I hear it every single day. Like it's hard to find individuals, you know, how are you going about finding your talent? Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, so maybe you could share some perspective on what you guys are doing in San Diego. Yeah, definitely. You know, I always say it's not hard to find talent. It's, it's hard to find good talent and it's hard to keep talent. You know, the, the name of the game, at least in my opinion, is all about retention. Um, but as you know, as a recruiter, you don't really want retention because it kind of affects job security <laughs> and kind of a catch. You're, so you're kind of in a catch 22, you know, you do hiring because, you know, there is an industry for that recruiters. But at the end of the day as well, if you are an internal recruiter or if you work in HR internally for an organization, um, you know, you want to protect that organization. So you don't really want a lot of turnover or, um, you know, you really want high retention. Um, but some of the things that we're doing, um, a conversation that I've been having a lot recently is um, kind of a lot of these internal training programs and career progression opportunities, um, just to let people know that there are opportunities for progression within our organization. You know, we promote that on the front end. We let them know that there's mentorship programs, job shadowing programs, um, and opportunities for advancements. You know, we have an internal job board where we post positions as well, only for internal people that qualify. And then after a certain period, we'll post it externally for external candidates to apply. Um, a big shift, you know, as you mentioned, the pandemic, uh, a really big shift is video interviewing, video conferencing, things like that. Um, so I always tell candidates, make sure that you have a good, clean background. You know, you know you're dressed good. You have good lighting. A lot of these things will um, kind of play into the biases in certain recruiters' minds. Um, unfortunately, you know, whenever you're dealing with humans, you're going to be dealing with psychology and biases and things like that. So you kind of have to really address all of the uh, certain variables that you can in order to present yourself in the best light, no pun intended, but you make sure you have lighting, you know, a good microphone, you're dressed well, your background's not too distracting. Um, and if it is, you know, maybe blur your background, um, make sure you present yourself clearly on camera um, so that you do get called in for an in-person interview. A lot of companies are starting there uh, because one, it saves on resources and time because everybody that's involved in the hiring process ends up, you know, driving up the cost. The whole hiring process or recruiting process could be thousands of dollars for an organization, depending on who's involved. So, you know, what companies are doing is they're doing that video approach where, you know, you could potentially record a candidate um, uploading pre-recorded responses to questions, um, or you can just have a video interview where multiple managers are involved in the process, but are in different locations. So they're really just trying to be as cost of, cost effective as possible these days. Yeah, we see it a lot in our industry as well. I think the pandemic definitely expedited our recruiting process a lot. And, you know, where maybe it took three or four days to close a position just to meet with someone because they'd meet with one person on a Tuesday. Then by the by Friday, they're meeting with the third individual, right? here today now we're able to actually do it virtually and really see if this candidate is going to be the suitable match for the position that we're looking to hire for so i get 100 percent what you mean by that it's funny because i actually the first time i worked for an organization where i didn't meet anybody was when i worked for a global company called amazon i don't know if you guys have heard of that company but of course <laughs> yeah i worked as a recruiter there for a year 
and didn't meet anybody in person. They mailed me all of my material, all of my, um, you know, the hardware, my computer, my headphones, and all the training was done virtually. Uh, you know, they hired an army of recruiters. They actually told us on the front end that we have more recruiters than physical seats, but we'll never go into the office. But it was an interesting experience working from home, um, you know, never going to the office, never meeting your manager or your teammates in person. But that's kind of being, uh, it, it's it's the trends nowadays. You know, a lot of organizations are just 100% virtual or a, a little bit of a mix of hybrid. Yep, definitely. I, I can definitely uh, see that now um, more than ever. So when hiring now, um, you know, obviously you're hiring probably for internally, but I'm sure you're also hiring to find individuals that can recruit for your team as well, right? So I think, you know, this is probably a question that most hiring managers and recruiters probably are dying to ask anyone is, you know, what do you typically look for when you're hiring? You know, is it skills? Is it character? Is it values? You know, what, what do you find is most beneficial for you, Evan? And like, you know, do you have a history of like, when you look for this, you're nine times out of 10, you find the right individual? Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, at the end of the day, it depends on the organization and the industry that you're working in. So for example, most recently working in government, uh, a couple of recruiting that they do there is um, they try to take a non-biased, very defendable approach. So you're not actually, um, as a recruiter, you're not actually recruiting, you're not doing phone screenings, pre-screenings on the front end. Once posting a position, you have an open date and a closed date. Um, and then you're basically sending out assessments to people that meet certain criteria. And then after you've you know created this eligibility list, basically present that list to... Um, either management or you start scheduling interviews. So in government, uh, for example, for the city of San Diego, you know, if you work at things like, you know, the port or something like that, you're going to have a different experience than if you apply to a private industry or within the private industry. Um, recruiters in the private sector, the skill set that I typically would look for, um, you know, very detail oriented. You want somebody that's very uh, observant somebody that has kind of either sociology, psychology background, somebody that knows how to communicate very well in person, um, groups of people. Um, really, because at the end of the day with recruitment, it's a lot of sales skills. You know, you're, you're selling people, that sounds terrible, but you're selling people to other people. Yeah, you're selling jobs to people and you're selling those people to jobs or hiring managers because it's all about speed and efficiency, right? You know, the, the hiring managers, everybody wants these positions filled as fast as possible. So you really want to create a pipeline of candidates, present them to the manager and try to fill that requisition as quickly as possible because the metrics that we go by are things like time to fill, cost per hire, um, time to start, you know? So whenever you're presenting candidates to hiring managers, you're trying to sell them and let them know, hey, this candidate's qualified, at least I found the perfect candidate for you. Um, so I try to look for those skill sets with recruiters. How do you communicate? Do you have good written and verbal communication skills? Um, and within communication, you know, everybody says that they have good communication skills, but like everything, there's levels to it, right? Right. You communicate. Do you do you just take orders? Are you a waiter? Can you take instructions? Or can you, you know, a step above that, mentor or teach or delegate or inspire? negotiate. So depending on the level of skill you have with communication, um, and that's something that we gauge during the interview based off of the questions and the stories that you tell, 
Um, that's how I look for recruiters and determine the skills that they have with something like communication, you know, some like uh, data or um, physical objects. People could say, you know, I have good skills with uh, data. You know, can you can you synthesize data? Can you explain it? Or can you just, you know, copy it? Or can you just read it? You know, so there's there's levels to everything in life. So when we're evaluating a skill set like communication, you know, we look for specific examples that let us know where you are you know, on that, that communication scale. Makes sense. I know you spoke earlier about retention. So kind of also curious to know as far as, you know, how you're retaining your employees right now as well. Is there something that you guys have in place? Like whether it be like an intensive program, whether it be, you know, something that makes you retain your staff right now at this time? Yeah. Um, that's always going to be a battle for every organization. We are having a troubling time keeping employees everywhere that I've worked. Um, there is a lot of turnover. Um, unfortunately, you know, employees are kind of onto the fact that if you don't take control of your career by looking for new opportunities, increasing your salary or revenue, um, it's going to be a little bit challenging as we try to keep up with inflation. You know, so the average job seeker will increase their salary by over 10, sometimes 15 or 20% if they switch jobs. But if you stay at an organization, you know, unfortunately, you only tend to increase your salary by two to three percent every year. So, you know, what we try to do at organizations is um, let people know that there's opportunities for career advancement. We educate our employees um, based off the skills that they want to learn. You know, there's internal training opportunities. When I was at Amazon, you know, we had our own internal school where we basically would um, we would make people qualified for these different software engineer positions. They could take courses and then level up in their career through us. You know, I always tell my staff that my goal is to um, develop your skill set and make you qualified to market yourself elsewhere, but um, give you the experience to make you want to stay under, you know, my leadership. Um, and that's another thing that I think organizations really have to address is that, um, yeah, you can throw all the money you want at an employee, but really what's going to keep an employee there are things like leadership, opportunity for career advancement. Um, do employees feel like they have a voice at the organization, a voice in their role? Do they feel like you lean on them for their expertise? Um, there's a lot of different things that employees really take into account or really value that I don't think managers or leadership really understand quite yet. Um, but that's, that's something that, you know, we try to weed out on the front end, certain questions that we ask, you know, there's all sorts of frameworks for hiring, um, things like human capital theory, um, social convergence theory, you know, essentially do employees value other employees that look and sound like them, you know, because there are theories that say employees are more likely to stay at an organization if there's representation there, you know, if they feel like they're represented in leadership or amongst their peers. Um, so to address that on the front end, I think hiring managers and leadership need to ask questions like that more versus just skill-based questions. Nice. Okay. Good, good, good answer there. Um, I have like a list of options here. I'm going to give you two different options for each question. I want you to tell me which one you prefer. Um, and also I want to hear why too. So as a, as a, obviously a recruiter and someone that's worked in HR, money or work-life balance? Cool. That's a good question. Now, are you asking what I think somebody else would choose or what I would choose? No, this is about you, Evan. <laughs> I choose money. 
Okay. Yeah. And the reason why is because no, no, I'm not knocking anybody that does, but I don't have any children right now. I'm unencumbered. I have a lot of time and energy on my hands. So I feel like this is the time in my life where I can work as much as I can. I don't really value work-life balance too much. Um, you know, fortunately, <clears throat> excuse me, fortunately, HR is not a uh, position or it's not an industry or department that's 24 seven. So realistically, it's nine to five, eight to four, seven to three. Um, sometimes you're going to work maybe nine hours, but you're typically going to have weekends off. So for me, I would rather choose money within my industry, within my specific position, HR, HR manager, director, you know, give me a position that pays me as much as I can. If I have to work long days, that's fine because I'm still going to go to sleep. Still going to have my weekends to ride my dirt bikes, my four wheelers, go camping. So yeah, I choose money. A lot of other people might choose work-life balance because, you know, they have other obligations where they need that balance. Well, I don't have any stress right now in my life. So, you know, I'm all for work stress. Nice. Onboarding or training? Training. Um, yeah. Training is way more important than onboarding. Because um, at the end of the day, I think onboarding has gotten to be a little little much for some organizations you know there's there's a, a long process um and i don't think employees are trained well enough sometimes they don't have enough information there you know there's a lot of trial by fire experiences happening with these employees um you know they're hitting the ground running experiences you know there's not a lot of ramp up a lot of organizations have just a long laundry list of acronyms that you have to learn extensions people's names and if you're like me, I have a terrible short-term memory. So I, you know, I, I use a lot of sticky notes to write things down to remember. So I think training, if we spend a little bit more time, put a little bit more emphasis on training, that would definitely help with retention. Nice. Recruiting or sales? It's another good question. Because I've done both. I've done sales, but I've also done recruiting. But... Because I said money in my previous answer, I have to stay consistent and choose sales because that's how you're going to earn the most money, depending on what you're selling, of course. You know, if you're selling things like solar, high ticket items, you're going to make a lot of money. But if you're in like retail sales, maybe uh, something a little bit lower, like, I don't know, I don't want to knock any industry in particular, but you're, you might not make six figures as easily. Um, but I, I really love recruiting though. Um, so I, this is a hard one because... You know, I, I, I love helping people. I got into psychology to, to try to help people and the recruitment for me was a way to give back. You know, I give advice to people. I show people how to pass interviews. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm helping people put food on their, their tables and plates. Um, so I, that's a, that's a good one. It, it's kind of 50, 50, 50, 50 for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've been in both of myself and I can tell you that, uh, I enjoy recruiting a lot more than, than sales, but I do love sales as well. So if you're talking about enjoyment, then yes, recruitment. Oh God. Perfect. Um, phone screens or face-to-face -face interviews. <laughs> For me, if it, if it had to be me getting or going through the process, I prefer phone screens. Oh God. If I had to give it or, or give the, the screening, it definitely needs to be in person. Like I said, you know, I have a degree in psychology, so I understand some of the psych hacks that you can, that you can kind of do. Um, and overcome, you know, because interviewing at the end of the day is all psychology. Uh, I kind of liken interviewing to dating. 
you know, there's a fine line between interviewing and dating. You know, you're, you're trying to be charming. You're trying to be interesting, um, semi-seductive. You know, you want them to like you. You want you want to like them as well. You're trying to be witty, uh, but, but professional at the same time. So for me, I love talking on the phone because I can get out all my nerves. You can't see what I'm wearing. You can't see what my body gestures or mannerisms are doing. If I say something awkward, I can make a weird face and you can't tell, but I can still control my voice. Right. But if it's in person, I don't know about you, but I sweat a lot when I'm nervous. So if I'm in person and I'm sweating profusely, I feel like that sometimes could come across dishonest, you know, so I'm a little bit more self-conscious when I start sweating. Right. But, you know, I love, I love talking on the phone. It's easier. It's a little bit, you know, a little bit easier. Yeah, I guess you. Uh, last one for you. Would you rather get a sales call from a recruiting firm or executive search firm or an email in your inbox from an executive search firm or recruiting firm? So it's all about timing. If we're not looking for one of these executive positions, definitely an email because I don't want to be sold. I can also just store that away in a folder or someplace where I can go and say, Hey, this was an executive credible search firm. I don't have to go look for one or, or interview some now that we are looking for a new CEO. Um, but if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm currently looking for a high profile position, hard to fill position that I don't want to promote or let a lot of people know we're looking for, um, definitely a phone call. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of, you can learn from people when, um, there's not, any barriers, you know, you can communicate in person over the phone via video email and each channel has a different avenue, different, you know, inter level of interpretation, you know, so I'm going to interpret each level differently. Um, and a phone call tells you a lot more. You have a lot more data points to work with. You can kind of hear the credibility in that person's voice. You have a lot more real time data to work with. I can ask them questions in real time and see how credible they are, how passionate or how much of an expert they are. You know, what search techniques do they know? Do they know about Boolean searches? What's their diversity process like? Or what's their, um, what's their approach to diversity hiring? You know, so um, things like that, I think, are more beneficial when you are in search and, um, and somebody is trying to sell you. I think a phone call is better than an email. On a day-to-day -day basis, how many calls do you get from recruiters? Oh, oh, calls, not that much. LinkedIn messages, emails. <clears throat> let me, let me think. So what's up? It's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're coming up. So it's not even new. And then I've already had at least, at least 12. Wow. <laughs> so at least one an hour, one to two every hour. Um, I noticed that I do get more whenever I do promote a position myself. You know, if I say, you know, that purple ring, if I put that I'm hiring or if I, help out my recruiters and I start promoting a position, then yeah, the floodgates will open up. People start messaging you. Um, fortunately, you don't get too many calls these days. So, And I guess for you, um, whether it be a message or an email or a call, um, what do you feel is, I guess, let's just say it's, a, it's an email. Um, what makes you want to click on that email and say, all right, let me respond to this one because I, I like what this person's saying. Like, what, what's that differentiating factor? If it's short, it's straight to the point. I don't want to read a paragraph. I don't want to read two paragraphs. I don't want to read three paragraphs. 
I don't want to have an about you section. All I want to know, especially, and this is, this is key. If you have your fee in the body of the email, so I don't have to ask you a million questions or hear your sales pitch. If you could let me know what you do, how much you cost, how quickly you've worked or how quickly you work and who you've worked with. That's really all I want to know. Cause that's, those are the questions that I have. Who have you worked with? How much do you cost? How fast can you get things done? You know, I, um, and yeah, what's your experience? Like what's your credibility? So just let me know all of that. And you can say all of that in one sentence. It'll be a long sentence, but you could say all of that in less than a paragraph. But these people try to sell you with, you know, oh, we got voted top 100 places to work at. All of our recruiters love us, love working here. This is what we do for employee engagement. I really don't care. How are you going to help me, right? How much is it going to cost me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, I know we're, we're um, coming up on our, our time here, but maybe just a couple more quick questions, maybe just actually two. So. I mean, for you, um, being a professional within the industry, um, obviously you've dealt with job seekers, you've dealt with internal recruiters, recruiters that have probably been in the industry for as long as you have been. Um, what's one piece of advice that you would give to job seekers today? Yeah, that's a really good question. Very important question. The most important piece of advice I would say is work on your career brand. And what I mean by that is when people look at you or think about you, what do they, what do you? What are you going to be known for? What do they think you're known for on a professional level? Um, you really want that to match up. So your career brand, but also your digital footprint. Um, people really underestimate the power of social media. I think people are, they do understand that to a, to a certain degree, but they underestimate how powerful it is for your career. You know, um, automation tools, things that help you reach out to job promoters and organizations things that help you look like a subject matter expert that will help with um, what I call credibility indicators, whether it be education or you writing blogs or posting articles or resharing things, um, growing your network or being a part of different organizations. Really focus on your career brand and your digital footprint. What do people know you for and how do they view you online? Last question I have for you. What's your favorite question to ask when interviewing someone? What's my favorite question to ask when interviewing someone? Um, it sounds really cliche, but my favorite question is, so tell me about yourself. Why? Curious to know. <laughs> so that question shows me a lot. I already have the resume in front of me. So I know about them. But what that question does, it allows me to really analyze them on multiple levels. How do they communicate? How succinct are they at giving information about themselves? How aware are they of their body language, their mannerisms, how they're telling stories? Are they telling things that are relevant, irrelevant? How do they capture my attention? Um, so I can look at a lot of different things as they're communicating. Do they talk too much? Um, do they know how to take social cues? Because as they're talking, one thing that I'm doing is testing them. So I'm leaning in or leaning back or maybe appearing like I want to interject and seeing if they can pick up on that. Um, depending on the position that I'm interviewing for, whether it be leadership or an entry-level position or something like that, that question will tell me a lot about that candidate in a, in a very short period of time. So Evan, if uh, someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? 
Yeah, you can always reach out to me via email, and that's Evan Casimi at interviewprofessionals.com. So my first and last name at interviewprofessionals with an S.com. Or you can always shoot me a text or give me a call on my cell phone. I actually am pretty open with my cell phone number. I love texting people, love talking to people. Um, so you can always reach out to me on my cell phone at 815-978-4912. It is a Chicago area code, but I live in San Diego on the West Coast. So yeah, once again, 815-978-4912. Shoot me a text first because I don't typically answer random numbers. So if you are interested in having a conversation, want, you know, you want to dive a little bit deeper to any type of hiring topic or question about interviewing, resume building, LinkedIn profile creation, shoot me a text on my cell phone. Absolutely. Uh, and on the social platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram. You can find me first and last name on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, Dr. Evan John. Um, my LinkedIn is more just hobbies, dirt biking, four-wheeling, jet skiing, but you can always reach out to me on there as well. Um, and then most importantly, yeah, just LinkedIn. Yeah, so. Thanks again for joining us today on the IRSA tomorrow, and Evan. Um, feel free to subscribe to our channel. And um, definitely, you know, we look forward to dropping more content in the coming weeks and months. Should you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to reach out to me directly as well. Mm -hmm.